So I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to jump in by telling you something about one of my the earliest questions I remember asking as a child. I asked the question. I, I think I was like four or five years old. We were living in Philadelphia at the time, and I asked, "How do I know if I'm dreaming?" Yeah, I mean, I was like a philosopher at a very young age. Was, how how do I know any of this is real? And then in 1999, they decided to make a movie about this called The Matrix. Okay, like, how do I know if I'm really in the Matrix? How do I know if like this is actually real? And I don't know if you've ever had that kind of question before. If you did, you wouldn't be the first.、Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Descartes, the famous line, "I think, therefore I am." It's his quest to discover what is real, what is truth. You wouldn't be the first. Well, today in the psalm that we explore, it's my hope that in the next twenty minutes or so, that at the end of it, you would question reality. I'll explain what I mean. Uh, we're in a series called the Psalms of New York, or the Psalms of New York City, where we try to explore psalms that speak directly to our experience here in New York City. And today, we're going to explore a psalm that looks at the way we interact and relate to people who are in positions of power and influence. We've all got people like that in our lives. Maybe it's your boss. <laughs> Or the CEO of whatever company you work for, they have the power to promote you. They have the power to to take you from wherever you are and actually lift you to a new position. Or the power of recognition. You're not working. You've got maybe a professor. If they were to just recognize you, right, and how that lifts you up, they could. They have the power to 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 bring you to a new position. Maybe give you a reference or a recommendation. Maybe it's not even someone that direct you directly report to. Maybe it's a friend who's really well connected, and you know, you know that man. If they just made one call for me, they would catapult me into a new position. We all know what it's like to have influential people in our lives—people that we revere and we respect, and we kind of hang on every one of their words. We want to be in their good favor. Well, today this psalm will explore the way that we relate to them, and perhaps even redefine the way that we think about them. And the way that we think about God, and so it'll do this in two ways. Okay, the first, we'll see the limits of powerful people. The limits of powerful people. I'm going to just read verses one through four. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. So it begins with an invitation to praise God and to praise Him as long as you have breath, while you live, to praise the Lord for your whole life. And then we're told. Do not put your trust in princes. Now we're going to break down what that means. What does that mean? Do not put your trust in princes. I don't know how many of you know a prince. Well, it represents people in positions of power. The people who would be singing this psalm would be thinking about people with leverage, with influence, with power, and we're told don't put our trust in them. The word trust implies uncertainty and vulnerability. So anytime you trust someone, there is some some degree of uncertainty there. If you're trusting a friend, you're going to confide in them. 
There's vulnerability. There's uncertainty. I am trusting you. I'm making this leap based on what I know of you that you're not going to betray my trust. It assumes some level of risk for us, right? And so it's a, we're told in that in moments of vulnerability and uncertainty, when that's real to us, that we do not put our trust in people who are in positions of influence and power. It doesn't mean they're not trustworthy. It doesn't mean that they're going to stab us in the back, that they're going to betray us, but we shouldn't place our ultimate confidence in them. We're told in times of vulnerability and uncertainty, do not put our trust in them. And they give us three reasons why. It's their humanity, right? Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings. The ESV translates, or the word that's translated there is the son of Adam. It's the son of dust. It's reminding the, uh, the, the readers or the singers of the psalm that the people that we revere and that we look up to, they're, they're like us. They're the, the dust of the earth. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. It's not just their humanity. It's their mortality. That they can make promises, but as soon as God calls them, they will return to the dust. On that day, their plans will die with them. They are not able to save us. And human beings who cannot save. So we're told, but reminded of their humanity, their mortality, their inability. So... How does this, let's pause right now, let's remember what we talked about in the beginning, right? I want you to think about the person that you look up to, someone of power, esteem, prestige, of influence right now in your life. How does these four verses redefine reality for you right now? The way that you think about them. The way that you interact with them. Maybe you cower before them, right, whenever you're in front of them. I guess the question is, do you see their humanity? Do you see their mortality? Do you see their inability to ultimately provide? Do you see them as most decisive? Or are you able to see, as I said before, the limits of their power? So you want to know where we first see this? Where we first have to come to grips with people that we see with tremendous power and then we have to come to grips with the limits of their power? It's with our parents. Because when you're a child, your parents have limitless power. Limitless resources, limitless energy. Like to this day, I think I've said this before, my kids, like on a weekly basis, ask me to buy them a rocket ship. And Jeff Bezos has made that like all the more like, like, I think it's possible. No, it's not possible. Like the children look at their parents and they think there's no limit to their power, their resources or their energy. They want you to carry them forever. They want you to play with them forever and to provide. But there comes a day in every adult's life or young adult's life where you must confront the humanity, mortality and inability of your parents. Sometimes you see it in their ailments. You notice they're not as strong as they used to be. Or you see it in their weaknesses, shortcomings, or their failures. And it's not a moment of judgment necessarily. Sometimes that might be our our temptation. But it's to simply see that they are like you. That they're human. They're mortal. They have limits. I didn't have a, a very good relationship with my dad growing up. 
My parents are divorced. They got divorced in 2002. I was around 18 at the time. Um, and I had a lot of bitterness and anger in my heart. And we had gone years without talking, really without connecting. And I still remember the, a turning point in our relationship. I was in college and in between semesters, I would go back and visit home and I decided to go out to dinner with him. And it was, you know, awkward when, you know, you know how those awkward conversations can be. And then we decided to go into the car and just talk. And I began to ask him questions that I never asked him before. And I don't know if it's because I'm Indian and we just don't do that. We don't ask like personal questions, you know, to our parents. But I asked him things that I never thought about asking. It's kind of strange. I asked, what did, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Like, what did you think about when you were growing up in India and your, you know, parents have this farm and chickens? Did you ever aspire? What did you aspire to be when you thought about going to America or moving out of the country? I thought, I asked him, what were your dreams? What were your hopes? I, the fact that, and even he even shared what it was like for him to get married. My parents had an arranged marriage when my mom was 18 and my mom was, uh, my, my mom was 18, my dad was 19, and they got married after a 10 minute conversation. And what that was like and what he thought his marriage would be like. And I gotta tell you, for the first time in my life, I saw him as a human being. Someone just like me. Someone with weaknesses with hopes, with fears, with regrets, a mortal, someone susceptible to failure and frailty just like me. You see, when we're told not to put our trust in people, it doesn't mean that we look down on them. It's not necessarily saying that we should be suspicious of them or we reject them, but it simply means that we see them as God does, as fearfully and wonderfully made and at the same time dependent, needy, human mortal, limited, like us. So if you think about people in your life who are influential, who are powerful, how does this psalm challenge the way you relate to them and redefine your experience in reality? The second thing we see here is not only do we see the limits of powerful people, but we also see the unlimited power and sight of God. Notice what the contrast here in verse 5 and 6. Blessed are those people whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. So, after we are told not to put our trust in princes, we're told even better than that, Put your trust in God. Blessed are those who hope in God. That's happy are those who place their trust in moments of vulnerability and uncertainty upon the God of Jacob. Because unlike them who are limited, are mortal, are human, just like us, and will return to the dust and their plans will perish. He is the maker of sun, moon, and stars. He is from beginning. He is faithful forever, even after we all die. He's faithful. We're drawn to the unlimited power of God and His faithfulness forever. I mean, if you think about how often you want to be noticed by people, right? I mean, even in the smallest ways, like you measure how many likes you get on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever platform you use. We want to be seen. 
We want to be seen by others. We want to be recognized by people who are influential in positions of power, hoping that if they see us, they will promote us and we could be lifted from our place or our current status. Now imagine if you could have 10 minutes of time with them to pitch whatever your idea is, to share a little bit more of who you are. Well, this is what it says as we crave their approval. It's what it says about God in verse 7 through 10. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. You see, we often hope, are the way that we interact in this world, the way that we engage others, we live and operate as if those who are mortal and unable and limited, that we just hope that they would see us and look at us. But this psalm says that the Creator, the glorious, the powerful Creator, the Creator God sees us, sees people who nobody sees. I mean, think about the people that are mentioned here. The oppressed, the hungry, the prisoner. Right? They're removed from society. They're in Rikers Island right now. And nobody even knows that they exist. They're forgotten in society. Those who can barely lift their head because they are bowed down. They're exiles. They're foreigners. They are those who are fatherless or widows who have no husband. They're the people who have nothing to hope in, who are drawn outside of themselves, can only look to God. And you know what he does? He upholds them. He provides for them. He liberates them. He heals them. He lifts them. He loves them. He protects them. He sustains them. He defends them. He is faithful forever. He sees them. Do you believe He sees you? How many of you could use one of the things that I've described there? Do you think about what you're longing for today? How you wish you could just be lifted up? Do you long to be upheld, provided for, liberated? healed, lifted up, loved, protected, sustained, and defended. And if that's you, ask yourself, are you living in a way where, where as if the person who is able to provide that for you is someone who is mortal, limited, and human like you? Or are you living in a way that says the most decisive person who can do that is the Creator God who sees us right where we are right now, this uh, a few days ago, as I mentioned, there were about five of us that got to go see the location, uh, 149th and Broadway around there, that, a place that we're hoping to be able to have access to 24-7 and be able to really put down roots in the neighborhood. And after we saw the place, you know, it really, it, to be honest with you, it's, it's a leap of faith because you look at this room and you look at what we might be getting into. It's like, are we crazy like that we're, that we're doing this? And when the broker left, there were about five of us standing there in a circle, and we decided to just pray outside around, what, like I think, one o'clock in the afternoon. And in that prayer, what you saw was a redefinition of reality. God, the most decisive person in this decision right now is not us. The people who hold all the cards, are, it's not the broker, it's not even the seller. It's you. We are going to discover what you will, God. You are the creator, God, who formed planets with the breath of your mouth. 
You're the one who sustains us and seasons and right where we are. It, prayer, you could say, is a way of reorienting you to the way the world really works. And in that moment, in a circle where there were five of us, it was a declaration that you are the one to be feared, God. We do not put our trust in mortals and humans who are unable we trust in you, the one who is unlimited in his power and who sees us right now. You see, Christians have the audacity to believe this. It is perfectly consistent for us to think this way and see this as the way the world works because in Christianity, we have the message of how the Creator saw us in our helplessness. He saw us in our need and our brokenness, our sin and our vulnerability. And what did He do? He moved towards us because in Christ, that's what He did. And when you see Jesus ministering and serving and preaching to people on earth, who does he go to? He goes to the hungry, the broken, the outcast, the sinner, the one whom nobody sees. He moves towards you and me. And family, this act of God moving towards us in Jesus, the most powerful person seeing us and coming to this obscure rock in the universe called earth, taking on our flesh, dying in our place, that begins becomes a basis for us to redefine reality. When you believe that, it begins to redefine the way that you think the world really works. How will God do that for us now? based on what this psalm says. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Randall to come forward. And as he leads us in a chorus, just want you to think about whose approval do you crave? This doesn't mean that you're going to be disrespectful for them, to, to them when you see them, if, if it's your boss or whoever it is. But when you think about the people that you think are most decisive in your life, do you really see them the way God sees them? Do you really see God as He really is? If you don't, that's okay. We're going to pray that God, by the power of His Spirit, would grant us those eyes and that heart to believe. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bring nothing but our hope in You. Thank You that You have an eye for the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoner, those whose heads are bowed down, don't have the strength to lift it in their weariness. Thank you that you see the fatherless, the widow. And you promise, O oh God, to uphold, to deliver, to provide, to heal, to sustain, to love, to defend. You promise to be everything that we need. And so we pray, God, you would reorient our heart to the truth of who you are, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself that you would infuse our heart with faith in you. Would you please do that, do that right now, Lord?
as we sing. In Christ's name.